Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fresh off a GM hire, we got Phil Mackey here tonight to break out or break down the whole GM hire for the Minnesota Vikings, plus a whole lot more. So grab your drink and let's get the show started. Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, where we mix our favorite beverage and talk of your Minnesota Vikings. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. Uh, like I mentioned in the intro, we're fresh off a new GM hire for the Minnesota Vikings. Your leader now for your favorite team is Kwesi Adofa Mensa. So, Ryan, do you still have that shot on hand here? Are you going to rip one for us? You're muted, but <laughs> go ahead and take that. My bad. Yes, no, I, I'm super excited. This was the number one guy I wanted the whole time. And uh, we're sitting here with some uh, Tremana tequila. And I'm going to take this whole one uh, as a celebration for uh, Quasi joining the team here. Let's do it. I, I could not stomach a shot on a Wednesday night, but I appreciate the dedication that you have provided this evening on such fantastic news. We are joined by the way, if you don't know, if you can't tell who he is on the screen, none other than Phil Mackey of Score North. So how are you doing? Is that Terramana tequila? Oh, it yes. is. Terramana tequila. Oh, yeah. let's, pay homage, let's pay homage to the great one, The Rock, <laughs> Dwayne Johnson. Yes. Yeah, that's He why was my first choice it, for right? Vikings general manager, actually. <laughs> I'm sure you could have sold me on him. Uh, maybe maybe I, I could have been sold on the rock for GM. Yeah, yeah. He seems like a collaborative uh, so, type of person. I see Joseph Shea in the comment section says, "Is uh, is old Macadac slamming one?" Going to be honest with you guys, I'm slamming a green tea here because uh, I had a glass <laughs> of red wine over dinner. I want to be responsible, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna drink a little green tea here and see where the night takes us. <laughs> mm. There's yeah. been plenty of nights that uh, that I've had tea on this show. Um, I can't. I can't drink every Wednesday. Uh, most I Wednesdays not. I can, but not everyone. But well, well, how about a little Terramana tequila, tequila, tequila in your green tea? I think that's the maybe that's the play. Bill, I just figured it was your throat was a little sore from all those emergency podcasts you have done. No, my throat is sore from just shouting at uh, the cousins Crusaders, just just fighting off the cousins Crusaders on Twitter and podcasts. Yeah. Well, we can get to that later because. Who knows what what Quasey's going to do here now that he's GM? You may you may not have to fight off those Crusaders anymore. It, it might be all for naught uh, in the near future. You, you, you know what's going to happen though is that if Kirk's gone, then whoever is playing quarterback, as soon as they do something wrong, anything wrong, all those Crusaders are going to come right back, and they're just going to be <laughs> bashing us for saying, "Well, Kirk wouldn't have done this. Kirk wouldn't have done that. He was better than this." You know what? It's time to move on, folks. It is. <laughs> yeah, I think well, actually, real quick. Just, yeah. Well, here's the thing. Like, I, I, I feel like two things can be true. Number one, Kirk Cousins is a pretty darn good NFL quarterback. He's definitely an above average starting quarterback. But then the second thing that is true is it's time to move on. It's it's time to not be paying thirty one or forty five million dollars to the cap. He's going to be thirty four years old. You got a new GM, new coach. Um, you know, the ship has kind of sailed. I think it's unfortunate that four years ago he wasn't paired with a more offensive minded coach. I mean, like in fairness to Kirk, the fact that his head coach didn't want to meet with him for even 45 minutes a week until year four is problematic. <laughs> but I hope I hope he finds that relationship somewhere else. I'm ready for a new era of Vikings football, and I'm excited for for this GM hire. Absolutely. Well, since, since we're kind of on the topic of the new GM, right, it's it's. 
it's pretty fresh. Um, I think at least for climbing the pocket, this is our first live show with it being official. I know last night they had a huge, huge viewing uh, where they talked about it because it process of illumination. He kind of thought that it was going to happen, but Phil, what are what are your thoughts um, on the new hire on on an exciting time for the Minnesota Vikings? Like this is a chance to to rip up everything we know about this team and move forward with a new outlook. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'll, I'll preface this by saying we're all a little bit in the dark on this. You know, with coaching candidates, it's a lot easier to gather information. You know, I you know, coaching candidates are just more frontal. They're there. You can watch their play calling. You can see their results. You know that Doug Peterson's been to a Super Bowl and won it, right? You know that Dan Quinn has blown a 25-point lead. With some of these GM candidates, there's just, there's just not as much information out there. And so I've tried to do some sleuthing and just check in with people behind the scenes. I'm not the most sourced out guy in the Twin Cities and Vikings media. So, you know, definitely uh, don't take my word as gospel. But I've heard really good things about both uh, Ryan Poles, who eventually went to the Bears, and Adolfa Mensa. And um, there's conflicting reports over which one of them was actually the Vikings' number one favorite. I had actually heard that it was Ryan Poles and that they may have lowballed him. <laughs> but um, I don't think they're settling for Adolfa Mensa. I think, I think they're thrilled to get him. I love the fact that he has this different background. I know that makes a lot of people nervous, but he essentially, like, forget about the word analytics for a second. He has a background in information gathering, information dissemination, and decision making with high stakes. That's his life on Wall Street. That was his life as the director of research with the 49ers. And that's been his life with the Cleveland Browns, who, by the way, like, on one hand, you could say, are we sure that hiring away from the Cleveland Browns is the safe you know, way to move about here? Like it's, you know, <laughs> a garbage fire, uh, dumpster fire franchise. But uh, the last couple of years, the Browns have been one of the better teams in the AFC. I know that they finished below 500 this year, but that's a really good roster that he has helped build. You know, according to Pro Football Focus, they have a top 10 offensive line, top 10 pass rush, and they have one of the best coverage units in the NFL. And when you look at like their salary cap allocation, They're not overloading money on linebackers, on safeties, on running backs like the Vikings do traditionally. They're spending money on the trenches. They're spending money to fortify the passing game. And they're spending money to prevent the other teams from passing the football. And like you could look at the Browns and say they're kind of in a similar spot that the 2008 Vikings were in where they just need a better quarterback to push that thing over the top. Maybe Kirk Cousins is that guy for them, which we can talk about. Um, but I, I just love the way that they've gone about roster construction in Cleveland. And if Adolfa Mensa can bring that same structure to the Vikings then. And by the way, like the Vikings have to dig out from salary cap hell too. So um, there's just going to be a lot of things to, to to maneuver around the next couple of months. But I really like the hire. I like that they're taking a big swing. They're going outside the box. His coaching hire is going to make a big difference here too. I don't know. Uh, who the odds on favorite would be, but like long rambling point longer. I really like the hire. I think it's awesome. What do you guys think? Yeah, Ryan, I'm, I'm really pumped you, for you, it. Uh, you... Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm really pumped for it. So I, I like, you know, again, we all, as you said, Phil, we all have limited information to, to go off of because we only know so much. Again, I, I don't think it's, uh, and Matt, you've made this point multiple times on Twitter. I don't think it's fair to take a look at specifically what those teams are doing and those draft picks that were made and, and giving credit all to Ryan Poles for drafting Creed, drafting Creed Humphrey, who I really wanted, right? Or drafting, uh, you know, Quasey for drafting, you know, Greg Newsom, right? Obviously, they may, might have had a part in it, but we don't truly know how involved and in whose decision it was, right? It's hard to kind of gauge it from that perspective. But when you look at, uh, when you really look at the team and and our strengths as, as a front office, we have Jamal Stevenson in place, who is pretty applaud for being a pretty darn good scouting director, post uh, scouting director, uh, and and lack I, I suppose a little bit in in our um, in, in our front office is analytics. So for us to be able to bring in somebody who is maybe a little bit more forward thinking in that perspective, right? Maybe a little bit more experience in that side of the house where Ryan Poles 
utilizes analytics, again, from what I hear, but he's more of a scouting guy, right? Well, we already have some really good folks like that in-house. We're, what we're missing is somebody pretty strong in the analytics side. We do have somebody really strong in cat management. Quasi can bring some of that too, but bringing a more well-rounded approach and more of that kind of quote-unquote CEO style approach versus being maybe more focused in one area in the scouting side where we already have that well, relatively well covered. I, I'm a big fan of, of bringing him in and taking this kind of new, hopefully new approach to how we view the team and the roster construction and then all the other stuff that we don't see, like the, you know, getting fans in the seats and, and building all of that, you know, business side of the house as well. Yeah, I think you uh, you bring up a really good point, um, and I you say I say that, and then I immediately lost my train of thought, uh, which what what I was going to follow up on. Um, but one thing that I really like about Quasi, um, and and we saw it, I, I tweeted about it a, a few weeks back when we started kind of hearing some names about him, and I was looking up YouTube videos about him. Um, the Wilfs stressed and the players stressed after the season collaboration and. If there's one thing that comes through on any interview you you see with Quasi, it's collaboration. He's going to gather the data, right? It's not analytics, right? He's just gathering the information that he needs to make the best decision. And that's how he's going to make decisions for this franchise. So I think the next big step, um, now that we have him in place, is who is going to be, you know, his right hand person who who's going to who's who is who is he going to fill his staff out with i know we've heard kind of reports of uh catherine I, I i forget how to say her last name she interviewed for the gms dave's got a picture on the screen there for people watching um we've heard rumors kind of about that i think doogie dropped it on score north the other day actually with with you and and judd phil so um i i kind of want to get phil's thought on on what are you looking for in this next step with Quasi um, to kind of bring in people? Yeah, I think, well, first of all, the word leadership is such a just broad and cliche word, but I think the Vikings are putting a premium on people that know how to lead and team build and connect with other humans. I mean, like listen to some of the, <laughs> the things that Vikings players were saying publicly and anonymously after the season was over about Mike Zimmer and the the fear based culture. And by the way, you hit on uh, you know, Judd and I came up with the uh, the press conference bingo board for uh, the introductory press conference. Whenever that may happen, I think you're going to hear the word <laughs> uh, collaboration in some form. I think you're going to hear the word culture. I think you're going to hear inclusiveness. <laughs> You're going to hear input, maybe family as an underdog word, communication. Yeah. Well, and uh, is there and a we free space on that? All of those things. <laughs> we need to put out that bingo board so everybody tomorrow that's watching the live press con- conference can all hop on Twitter and type bingo. <laughs> yes. I think. That'd be fun. And, 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 but in like, in like, and some of that stuff is cliche. But it's also true. I mean, the the Vikings, I I kept saying this throughout the season. And, you know, of course, like anything that you say that's not blindly positive, it's like you're being a hater. And it's like, no, this team looks like the deadest clock in, clock out team that I've seen in my life watching Vikings football. It's just a bunch of dudes who just work here. And there's some passion, like you score a touchdown, you're going to do the gritty, whatever. I get it. But it just it, it seemed like everyone kind of hated Zimmer at the end. I'm not saying it was like that for eight years, but I think at the end. Everyone was just kind of done with the whole thing, and you could sense it. You, know, you could just you could sense the tension. So uh, everything I have heard and read about Adolfo Mensa, and I'm actually I want to read you guys just a clip here. This is from an athletic article that was written a while back on uh, uh, I think it was a forty under forty in the NFL article, and the write up. And I, I won't read the whole thing, but um, his general cognitive abilities are being praised here. He's a super bright guy that comes across within the first two minutes that you meet him. And probably just as importantly, his people skills, you could see he had been able to build relationships across a number of different groups and departments during his time in San Francisco in a role that can be very challenging because you have to be able to not only develop analytic insights, but communicate them and get people to buy in across the organization. Um, also, his breadth of understanding of the sport and football operations, 
And uh, he's also being praised for his sense of humor and ability to keep things light. So, you know, who knows? Maybe he we comes in and that. it's a train wreck after two years. But like, like, like it just I look at the Vikings and I'm like, God, you guys just need to loosen up a little bit. This is fun. Like, mm-hmm. yes, there's pressure, but they're just it just seemed like the clamps were on so tight and maybe just extracting some of these people from the organization and bringing in some bright, fresh thinking. I would love to see a Raheem Morris as head coach, maybe hire, you know, somebody floated this to me in a DM uh, a couple minutes ago. How about Raheem Morris as a leader head coach? Who's he's a defensive guy. That's been a pass game coordinator for the Falcons for four years, a Super Bowl Falcons team, and then bring in, you know, bring in Kevin O'Connell and give him an assistant head coach title or something to, steal them away from the Rams. Like, can you bring in a bright offensive mind to run things on that side? I, 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 you know, there's so many fresh possibilities here that, that get me excited. I'm going to, I don't know if you're going to go Ryan, but I'm going to stop for a second for everybody kind of watching. Um, technically breaking news, right? While we're live here, the Vikings have officially announced that Kwesi Adolfo Mensa is their new GM in Kwesi has come out with a statement, and I'm going to read it quick. Um, I'm extremely thankful to the Wilf family and the Vikings organization for giving me the opportunity to lead our football operations and join this respected franchise. There is so much to appreciate about this organization, an existing nucleus of talent on the roster, top-notch facilities, passionate fans, and smart people throughout the building who are committed to winning. I look forward to partnering partnering with our next head coach and our entire football operation staff to begin our work of bringing a Super Bowl to Vikings fans. Super Bowl. There it is. Super Bowl. Uh, there we go. The dream we all want. Ziggy put out a statement that says, Kwesi is a clear philosophy, has a clear philosophy on building a com- complementary football team. His intelligence progressive mindset, and passion for the game, along with his ability to make thoughtful and intentional decisions, provide provide a tremendous foundation as he leads our football operations. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Phil. Fantastic. I don't... I don't know if any of those words get checked off the bingo card, though, on any of those statements. No, I was trying to cross-reference, man. <laughs> so, like, so we need to add uh, – looks like we need to add – let's see here. Um, let's see here. Uh, da, da, da. Yeah, partnering, partnership, that's a buzzword for sure. I think uh, passion is another one. So we can definitely expand this bingo card for intelligence, progressive. Progressive is a good one. Progressive that is one a great too. one. Thoughtful and intentional decisions. A lot of good, lot of good uh, bingo card words here for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. So, quick to go back to what Phil was saying uh, regarding you know bringing in Morris with O'Connell. I, I've really I, I mentioned this in a in a DM with with some of these climb in the pocket guys, but um, I said that both with Morris and with D'Amico Ryan's because they can both do the same, right? They both. Um, our defensive coordinators, uh, Ryan's is obviously more specific in, on defense versus Raheem obviously has that uh, Falcons background with the uh, passing game coordinator work and wide receivers work. Uh, but if you bring Ryan's in similar to what you had just said about Morris, you can go pluck Mike McDaniel, who also is a bright, young, innovative uh, offensive coordinating mind. And again, give him an assistant coach, a head coach title uh, to have him come in and run our offense. And of course, you would hope then at that point, these head coaches are going to be more forward thinking than maybe the last regime, which when we did lose an offensive coordinator, we we are resetting the offense for the most part. Right. Uh, And we we can't be doing that. That really hurts the team. So that's why a lot of people are really enamored with trying to bring in an offensive coordinator to be the head coach. So that stays consistent. But if you can bring, if you can, if you're a good head coach, you're going to bring in a lot of really talented people underneath you. So if you do lose a Mike McDaniel or a Kevin O'Connell, their passing game coordinator or run game coordinator or, QB coach can then step up and be able to take the reins going forward. Yeah. It's so, uh, it's interesting because the Vikings have this list of, of eight candidates that they've interviewed so far before 
they hired Odofa Mensa. What we don't know is how much was that list influenced by the GM candidates? You know, did they get sort of preliminary? You know, they've, I'm sure they've had, my guess is they probably had discussions behind the scenes and through back channels even before they officially let Rick Spielman go. And that's was, a whole nother conversation. It was reported, and I don't remember by who, yes, that both Kwesi and Ryan Poles had given a, a list of prospective head coaches to the Wilfs. And that would be smart. That they were yep. going through. Yep. And and so if if they're just sticking to that list of eight, the two that he has direct connections to are D'Amico Ryans, as mentioned, with their time together in San Francisco, and Kevin O'Connell, who was also in San Francisco, I believe. Um, there's some buzz about Jim Harbaugh. One of the authors of a Jim Harbaugh book from a few years ago just tweeted sort of mysteriously a couple days ago, keep an eye on Minnesota. And it's like, wait, you wrote a book about yeah. Jim. Why are you tweeting that? That's, that's, <laughs> you're not just throwing that out. And, uh, and Adolfo Mensa did work with Jim Harbaugh for a couple years in San Francisco, but he was the manager of the research department. So he was pretty low on the, on the latter. I don't know how much he and Harbaugh would have interacted. And that would have been at the end of Harbaugh's run in San Francisco, which kind of train wrecked with that front office. So I think, I think D'Amico Ryans and Kevin O'Connell of the guys on the list are probably the favorites. Um, at one point today, Chris Thomason from the pioneer press tweeted out that he has a connection back to Stanford with Nathaniel hack, but then he deleted the tweet pretty quickly after that. So I don't know. I think my, I, I'll throw a question back at you guys. If he's just sticking to the list, is D'Amico Ryan's the favorite, even though he's a defensive coordinator? And I don't, that's probably not going to excite a lot of Vikings fans who, who want to move into the offensive side of things. But it, I mean, isn't D'Amico Ryan's probably the favorite if they're just sticking to that list? Probably. Yeah. But I don't think at this point we can, because I know fans are going to be a little bit, and I do want to get your perspective on this as well, Phil, but I, I think fans are going to be a little bit um, cautious with a defensive coach or defense coordinator hired, just given what we just went through with Zimmer and the tumultuous turnover with offensive coordinators. But I think D'Amico Ryans has to be the favorite, especially, I know you probably shouldn't do this. It's not good practice to have recency bias when when choosing somebody. But D'Amico Ryans has been calling great games in the playoffs and leading into the end of the season into the playoffs. He shut down an Aaron Rodgers team. He shut down an Arizona Cardinals team. And this team fought its way back because of its defense. It's not Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, carving up teams to get them into the playoffs. It's that 49er defense that D'Amico Ryan's runs. And I think fans should be excited about that. And I know fans are really clamoring for the the offensive coordinator uh, head coach so so we don't have to go through that turnover but for me right now personally uh, it's D'Amico Ryan's one and then I think Raheem Morris is right behind that but I'm going to give Ryan a chance to speak uh, on that as well yeah again we we hire a head coach not for their defensive prowess or not for their offensive prowess, but for their leadership and their ability to run a team and build coaches around around your great. Like you look at Andy and and all these great Don Harbaugh and obviously they're very good coaches and they're also very good at what they do in terms of John Harbaugh with the special teams or even special teams is always great uh Bill Belichick's defenses are always great Andy Reid's offenses are always great but and and so you would expect that with uh, D'Amico Ryans or Raheem Morris to have a great defense like both of these defenses have been for the most part um but you're hiring them not for that prowess even though that's a huge like plus it's are you a leader of men can you get build a culture and get the buy-in from this team to get them to reach levels that they weren't reaching before? Can we and then and then can you also build that infrastructure underneath you? So when you do lose a uh, Kevin Stefanski, you're you're not begging Gary Kubiak to come in and coach the team, right? You have that infrastructure. I mean, you're even seeing it with. Uh, but I think with the Packers, right? So the Packers are in potential to lose Nathaniel Hackett to a, a number of different teams. And they already said, we, we have his replacement inside the house, right? Uh, 
that's what you want. You want to build that infrastructure inside. And I think you can do that with either of these guys. Again, I only have limited information, uh, but from what you hear about each of them, from what you're uh, seeing in like player advocates, uh, other coaching uh, coaches advocating for each of these guys, I think you're going to get that out of them. And then hopefully we can continue to uh, build great coaches internally that can step up when we get poached. I know it's I know it's going to be tough for us because we're we're live on the air right now, so you can't really read it. Um, so go bookmark it, or if you're not talking, just sneak over and read it. But the Vikings communication staff right now, or the PR, is is flooding uh, our timeline with just statements from people across the league. Uh, 49ers GM John Lynch, a big write up on uh, Kwesi, uh Andrew Barry from the Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski, like it seems like the Vikings got this right. Am I wrong? Like, is there any reason for skepticism at this point or should we just like fall into the trap of, uh, you know, just falling in love with this guy to lead our team right now? Well, you should. (laughs) It's a great question. It's the Vikings, so you should always be skeptical. <laughs> um, that being, I mean, I, I'm I'm looking at the same stuff you are. I mean, they literally have, they literally have like full Q and As posted on Twitter from John Lynch, and I haven't even read some of these. From this is, this is I've never seen this before, and it makes me wonder. Like, well, you guys are overcompensating I mean, a little here, okay? Maybe just let the, the hire speak for itself. <laughs> If, but if, if there think, are some quotes that are standing out, just just read them. I, I'm I'm curious. Yeah, here I'll just you know I I'll just I'll just start reading here. So uh, they're they're posting so many things. So John John Lynch, uh, he didn't <laughs> hire Adolfo Mensa with the Niners, but he uh, I think he presided over Adolfo Mensa's promotion to director of the research department a couple of years, like uh, four years ago. Uh, somebody just texted me. He said in this quote, I think the Vikings, I don't think, I know they made a tremendous hire. How do I know that? Well, I worked with the guy and I just got to see firsthand the breadth of all that he brings to the table. I think it starts with intellect. Obviously, he's well-schooled and all that, Princeton, Stanford, etc. His curiosity to learn different. I love, I love, that's another buzzword, but I love when people are curious. <laughs> uh, he, was a, he was a trader who, I'm just getting sucked into these buzzwords. Culture. Curiosity. Into the trap. Um, <laughs> he was a trader who then got into research and development analytics. He always hated when we called it analytics. He preferred research and development. He's just a very forward thinker, and he wanted to learn about watching football and studying players and did a tremendous job of that. Uh, there's a lot more. You can just, uh, just follow at Vikings PR on Twitter. They're sending out all kinds of interesting stuff. Here. And. I want to add one in here too. I'm not going to read the whole quote, but from Andrew, uh, from Andrew Barry, uh, one line sticks out to hit from his quote, which is Quasi's infectious energy. Just that. I mean, it goes on much more, but just, infectious just like, energy. just like Mike Zimmer, just like Mike Zimmer. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't get your take on it, Phil, but I, I do want to ask you, um, what are your thoughts on like hiring an offensive minded head coach or a defensive minded head coach? Are you concerned about that as we kind of shift our attention? Um, I, I think we can enjoy today's hire for sure, but we we really need to shift our attention and, and kind of move quickly here because the market's hot. There's still nine head coaching vacancies out there. Yeah. So I, there's a reason why I was, I was applauding here while Ryan was talking about, you need to find the best leader of, you need to find the best CEO of a roster the best leader of men, the best inspirer, right? Like you, you need someone that can like a Mike Tomlin type. I love the fact that the Vikings, you know, there's, there's reports out there. The Vikings are looking for a Mike Tomlin clone. Like they know that he's the one that got away back in 2006, mm-hmm. 2007, you know, Mike Tomlin has been a defensive minded coach, but the Steelers throughout many of those 15 years that Tomlin's been there have been a great offensive team first and foremost. Right. I mean, you know, I think defense has been the, the groundwork, but, John Harbaugh is another guy that he's actually a special teams background and that team has been defensive when they need to, they've been offensive when they need to, but he's an excellent leader of men. And so I'm all aboard leadership being, and however you can sniff that out. And it's hard sometimes, 
but le- especially with guys who haven't been head coaches before. Like we know that Doug Peterson, when things are going well, is a great leader. He's won a Super Bowl before. We don't know if Nathaniel Hackett, as the leader of a roster and not just a coordinator, can do that job. So there's going to be some risk with any unproven candidate that you hire. So again, leadership, leadership, leadership. But then I look at the conference championship games this weekend and I see Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, Zach Taylor, and Sean McVay. And all of them are offensive ninjas, right? They're all innovators on the offensive side. They all have offensive backgrounds. And yeah, like the Buffalo Bills were maybe a squib kick away from uh, you know having a defensive guy in the AFC championship in Sean McDermott. But I think in a perfect world, you would find a leader of men that also is a brilliant offensive mind. But if you're making me choose between offensive mind and a pretty good leader or a dynamic leader who's going to hire right, give me the dynamic leader who's going to hire right. I think you touch on a really good point, too. Um, something that, as much as I did love Zimmer, I, I will still stand here today and say that I was a Zimmer stan. I know he got trashed uh, kind of walking out the door there, but I, I feel like if he's winning, his style works. If he's losing, you're going to have people turn on you. But one thing I will say that I'm, I'm looking forward to for our next head coach, and you alluded to it, is not only the leadership aspect, but the delegation aspect. Zimmer was very much defense is my baby, offense, good luck. Uh, I'm going to bring someone that knows how to do it, um, but I'm going to be pretty hands-off. What I want to see is this new head coach, whoever it is, to have an input and kind of do things the way we expect uh, Quasi to do them, right? Gather the information and make the best decision for your team, but be involved all around. Don't just don't just stick to one side of the ball and ignore the rest. Maybe delegate those responsibilities. Focus more on in-game management and how to stop teams uh, under the two-minute mark <laughs> at the end of a half um, instead of you know coming up to the press press conference after the game every week and saying, "Yeah, you know, I probably called the wrong play there." Only specifically ever talking about defense and what he did wrong, but never the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. I don't know if you guys yeah, have I'll any takeaways from that. Yeah, I'll I'll add to it and say I I was a huge Mike Zimmer stand for the first 4 years and even like maybe the first year or two with Cousins too. I think I think he foreshadowed his own firing four years ago at the Combine, and we've gone over these quotes a few times on our show in which <laughs> he stood up there in, uh, in February of 2018, and he didn't say Kirk Cousins' name, but he said, we need to be careful, and I've told this to Rick Spielman, about paying a lot of money for a starting quarterback and erode from what we've built. He said, We're, we've won 40 games in four years. We just went to the NFC Championship game. We've built it with defense. We've built an identity. And and that team had some soul and some spirit, and it was the way that Mike wanted to build the team. We could debate how sustainable it is to just have the best defense every year, which the answer is it's not very sustainable. No, but his um, run of five years having a defense without regression, I think, is unmatched. That is unbelievable because you usually have regression you have a good defense then you regress and a good defense and regress and he went five years straight before it went off the cliff and yep that says something about him now you talk about that initial comments you remember the initial introductory press conference when the wilfs and spielman were all there and all buddy buddy with uh kirk cousins and rick was standing way off to the side side Jim was standing way off to the side sort of looking disgusted like he just ate a bad burrito or something yeah because he did he yes he he never wanted cousins to begin with and I think on one hand as a general manager you're Rick Spielman or now you're Adolfo Mensa you need to make sure that everyone's on the same page and there's an understanding and that there's synergy but where I would fault Mike there's Zimmer is buzzword. it's almost like he spent he, yeah synergy he spent the next four years almost like pouting and trying to prove a point than building an actual connection with your quarterback. Like, this is your quarterback now. And yeah, he has flaws and he's kind of weird and he's not the best leader behind the scenes and, and whatnot, but this is your quarterback. And it took him four years to build a connection. 
And, you know, things just seemed off. That's why they only went to one playoff game. The roster started to erode because, you know, it's harder to build a roster when you have a quarterback taking up, you know, 20, 30, $45 million in cap space. So just having alignment is going to be important. And they had that for the first four years of Spielman and Zimmer, who loved each other at the outset. Uh, but then they lost their way over the last the last half of of Zimmer's tenure here. So, yeah. Um, I'd be remiss real quickly if we didn't uh, give a huge shout out to to the people in the chat. Um, there's there's tons of comments coming in, um, and so I just want to quickly thank everybody. As we're about the halfway point of the show tonight, I want to thank everybody for watching right now. If you're listening tomorrow, thank you. Um, if you're here with us tonight. Make sure you head over to our YouTube page. If you're not there already, uh, click like, subscribe, uh, tell your family members, tell your friends. We're going to be here all off-season long. Uh, same goes for Score North. If you're not doing that, go over to Score North's YouTube page. They're pumping out content at 10 times the volume we are. They're going all day, every day. Uh, it doesn't matter. Judd, Phil, Declan, Doogie, uh, they're hitting everything. So make sure you, you, you go there. You hit up both of those. Um, this is a comment way, way back in the chat, by the way, Phil. But someone's uh, shouting out the the Garnet sweatshirt you're wearing. I don't know if you can if you can show it a little bit more, but so it's it's pretty iconic. I like it. There we go. Yeah. By the way, uh, rootsoffight.com. <laughs> rootsoffight.com. They've got these old school KG high school uh, hoodies. I don't know if they're on sale or not, but they're pretty badass. So. And I, they're not even, I, I don't know. I just like the company. I'm not, I'm not like a paid influencer or anything. I, I just think they have great stuff. So check them out. <laughs> I know this isn't a wolves, wolves show, so we probably won't talk to, about it too much. But given that the rise of the wolves, I might need to just go get my, myself. Do they make Anthony Edwards ones, maybe? <laughs> they might have to, man. They're, they're making a bunch of le- legends uh, hooded sweatshirts. And I think he's uh, well on his way to uh, legend status. I love that guy. Let's go. Well, so I think we've kind go, of beaten- going back to the comments. Going back to the comments, real quick, you man. I'm sorry to, to cut you off, but no, go for Phil, it. you and I, you and I were interacting on Twitter earlier today. Of course, some Kirk discussions, and we're talking about. Uh, I think Mary Kay Cabot is that how you say her name. She put out yep. some. Mm-hmm. Reckless speculation, right, of the fact that Quasi is here, has a relationship with the Browns. We're trying to potentially get rid of Kirk. They have a need at quarterback, potentially. I mean, Baker's there, but and they've already committed to him. But, you know, teams commit to guys all the time and and then, you know, move on from them. Then trade. And, and, and I put out the comment that – and somebody else put this in the comments, actually. So why don't we trade Kirk for Baker, of course. You're getting some compensation back, second, first, whatever you're able to get. And, and people – Obviously, I understand people are are not excited about that, right? Why would you be? Baker just came off the worst season of his pro career. Um, obviously, he was hurt all year. I think he is much more the second half of second half of twenty twenty, early twenty twenty one, when he almost beat the Chiefs this year. Um, I think that's truly what Baker is. But let's. Why wouldn't we take an opportunity to bring him on for a year, prove it deal, right? If he does great. Awesome. You extend him or you give him a franchise tag to make him prove it for two years in a row. If not, no harm, no foul. We just shedded, uh, I think, what was the number? 18 plus 10 because we have to eat 10 of uh, dead cap. So 26. So we're roughly 19 ahead or 16. I'm bad at math. 16 ahead uh, of what we would be to utilize that to at least pay our, uh, our, our draft class right because we need like what seven eight nine to pay the draft class why wouldn't you do that deal talk to me about your feelings about that yeah i just i'll preface yeah i checked twitter for like a minute and ryan butted in and had to do a a baker mayfield connection to the vikings like (laughs) phil I, i know you probably don't watch every week but ryan's obsession with the sooners is out of this world and and i i days out of the conversation here for one minute and he capitalizes on that and has us <laughs> talking about baker mayfield this is ridiculous but you can answer his question i love it i love it uh so I, i'll preface my answer by saying i am not a baker mayfield guy i think he i i, I think there's a fine line between abrasive and unwarranted arrogance and 
the confidence of a franchise, a true franchise quarterback. Like it's so it's hard to explain, but it's just sort of a feeling I get when I watch Joe Burrow. He's definitely cocky, but it's in kind of a charming and it's it's true. Like it's it fits who he is as a quarterback. He's a better player. Baker always feels like he's overcompensating and just fighting the media and fighting commentators. And I don't know. Now, in fairness, that dude, he's tough as nails. He played with a dislocated, banged up, non-throwing shoulder. He had other injuries. Uh, He was much better a year ago before he got hurt. And so I am curious to see. I don't think he's ever going to be in the class of like Josh Allen or Pat Mahomes or Joe Burrow. And for that reason, I don't think there's, you know, his value was he's pretty good and on a rookie contract and you can build this monster roster around him. But when his, his price tag keeps going up and up. And if he eventually, you know, hits the free agent market and, you know, even if he's the 15th best quarterback in the league, you know, the market rate is going to be 25, $30 million a year. I'm out on that. But if you're telling me I can trade Kirk Cousins, I can get out from underneath any semblance of that contract. I'm I'm done kicking the can down the road on that contract. And I can get Baker back just to see what he looks like when he's healthy for a year. You know, he's got Justin Jefferson to throw to and Adam Thielen, et cetera. And maybe I get a second round pick attached to him as well. And I get the whatever it is, 15, 16 million dollars in cap space to, you know, to to spend in other places. I would entertain that. I mean, and, and you know, on the flip side, people are going to say, well, if, you know, if, if you think Kirk is so bad, and I don't think he's so bad, I think he's one of the 15 best quarterbacks in the world. He's just compensated too much. There's a glass ceiling on him. I think he melts in certain big spots. You know, I just, I think he's, he's a glass ceiling guy. Um, but I think there are some teams in the league, and the Browns are one of them, that can talk themselves into, um, much like the Vikings did four years ago, we're so close. We just need a better quarterback. We've got the cap space and the roster is built. Let's insert Kirk as the better quarterback and see what happens. Now, when that happened four years ago, they didn't cash in. He didn't play well enough in some certain games. And then the defense started to erode in year three, year four, right? Cleveland would be an interesting spot for him. Carolina, Denver. There's like three or four teams. Now, do Pittsburgh. I think I think Kirk. Kirk Pittsburgh, Kirk would be an upgrade over Baker Mayfield, but do I think Kirk and that Browns team is going to beat Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen and those Bills and Chiefs teams in a you know in a AFC divisional game? No, but the Browns might look at it and say, "Well, this is the next logical step. We can't go forward with Baker. Let's find someone else to take a step forward." Stefanski and Kirk have a good working relationship. You know, Stefanski got that Browns job in part because Kirk Cousins and the Vikings beat the Saints on the road in a playoff game, right? So, like, I, I, I think there's real legitimacy to this Browns-Vikings discussion, and it might make sense on both sides if there's a draft pick coming along with Baker. Right, and it gives Baker, puts Baker in the position of the bridge quarterback between now and the 2023 draft class, which is supposed to have better quarterbacks. And if Quasey wants to go that route, he can do that. Now, in the meantime, if he's the bridge quarterback and he blows everybody's socks away and we go to the Super Bowl, well, then the decision's easy. But you could say, hey, he was our bridge quarterback. We're now drafting, you know, we're moving up and drafting eighth to pick quarterback XYZ. And that, to me, that makes a whole lot of sense. And let me clarify, obviously I'm a huge Baker fan because of the Oklahoma ties mainly, like he's a folk hero for Oklahoma fans, but I, there's, I do not think he is the next Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. Like, I don't think he can compete with those guys. I don't think he's going to be an elite quarterback ever. Um, at one point in time, maybe. I thought maybe he could be the next Drew Brees. And there goes Ryan. It would that's good because I didn't want to talk about Baker and Kirk Cousins anymore. Well, JCSST <laughs> talked about signing Trubisky. There's another bridge quarterback. You have uh, um, Minshew with the mustache. There's another bridge quarterback. You have Teddy. If they wanted to bring Teddy back, there's another bridge quarterback that would work <laughs> to get us through that next season while they build up the team this year 
and then go for the quarterback in 2023. Yeah. And I think like you, you just hit Dave on a really, there's a key distinction here because I think there's a lot of people that listen and watch and, and hear this discussion. They're like, what are you guys, what are you, what are you talking about? The Vikings are much closer than that. I mean, they bridge quarterback. Why don't you just get better coaching and more offensive centric coaching and run this thing back and get to Neil Hunter back. And, and, and I say they're in they're, They have the third or fourth, uh, third or fourth worst salary cap situation in the NFL. For them to even add to this roster, they have to find probably 30 or $40 million in cap space. Like They're 12 above right now. They need to get like 8 or 10 below just to sign draft picks. That's tw- They need to free up like $20 million just to draft. And then if you want to make some actual noise in free agency, it's another 10 or, or 20. And then you start looking at the 7 or 8 contracts that you could tap. And it's all Ring of Honor guys or Kirk Cousins. It's Adam Thielen. It's Harrison Smith. It's Eric Kendricks. Um, it's Daniil Hunter. And it's Kirk Cousins. your defense even more than all the yeah. people on the defense that are leaving because they're free agents. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you can get rid. Let's say, all right, well, this is a tough decision, but let's get rid of Daniil Hunter and Eric Kendricks. Okay. Uh, now you have cap space, but you also have Daniil Hunter and Eric Kendricks to replace on defense and two out of your five offensive line spots to fix. You know, maybe you can fix one of these things in the first round of the draft. And so for all these reasons, I don't think they're going to be rebuilding or garbage in 2022. And with the, uh, you know, with the extra wildcard spot, they could pull a Philadelphia Eagles in a weak division, maybe minus Aaron Rodgers and sneak their way into the playoffs while retooling. But I think 2023 is the year to be hyper focused on here. If you play your cards right, you can have like 80 or 90 million dollars in cap space, maybe a couple extra draft yep. picks if you trade a couple veteran players. And and you can have your choice of quarterbacks in the next two drafts. Like it's it's I know it's hard because you want to you want to win every year, but if you look at 2023 as the target year, it's fun to think about the possibilities. If you try your hardest to do as much as you can this year, you might screw yourself and be stuck in mediocrity land, and that's what we don't want to see. Well, Phil, I want to thank you because you. What a seamless transition you've given me here because I, I put in the show notes. I didn't share it with you because you said you didn't really care about the show notes. Um, <laughs> but I said, I said I wanted to talk about the state of the NFC North, and you kind of covered the Vikings in that, that, uh, that little snippet right there. But can you, can you give us kind of your thoughts on the NFC North as a whole here? We just saw the Packers get ousted last weekend. Um, who knows what's up with Aaron Rodgers? Nathaniel Hackett's going to be gone. Maybe their offense takes you know a step back. I don't know. Uh, the Detroit Lions are the Detroit Lions. The Bears fired. I mean, the Bears are kind of where we are with just a cheaper quarterback. Um, so, what 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 is your thought on the state of the NFC North as a whole here? Well, if Rodgers is gone, and I think he is. Because he, he he essentially said on the Pat McAfee show this week, you know, yeah, Brian Gutekunst and I have built a good relationship, but they have some really hard decisions to make. You know, uh, they're I think they're like thirty or forty million dollars over the cap right now, and yeah, they've got to figure out. And Rogers said essentially that Devontae Adams isn't going to take kindly to being franchise tagged, and so you know the, he's basically saying. If you don't figure out something with Devontae Adams and a way to also keep this team intact while also cutting out like $40 million in uh, in cap space, then I'm probably gone. I th- so I, I don't think it's a sure thing that he's gone, but I think it's more than 50-50 that he's gone. The trap that you don't want to fall and into hack it is... To Denver, hack it to Denver would, would almost seal that fate, right? Like I, That's what I assume? Yeah. Oh, that would be an interesting... Can you imagine? Yeah. That would be that would be really really interesting. Um, I think the tr- the trap that you don't want to fall into though is oh look the Packers lost Aaron Rodgers the division is now yours for the taking run it back with the same cast and characters maybe even a little bit more depleted and more aged uh, and cool like nine wins is going to win you the division. I don't give a rip about the NFC North division crown. Like, yes, you do have to win that division and probably win even more games to hopefully play home games in the playoffs. But if your goal is, hey, the bar is really low in the NFC North, let's just uh, run this thing back and hang another division title banner. No, your your goal should be look at the best teams in the NFC, the Rams, 
you know, the Buccaneers are probably going to take a step back here and we don't know what Brady's going to do, but your sights should be set on what is it going to take to get to 12 or 13 wins in the regular season, get a first round bye, and play home playoff games and win a freaking Super Bowl, not eke your way to nine wins. So um, I think it's a, it's a division in transition. I would actually, I would actually be careful writing off the bears because if they actually do click on a coach and a GM and if Justin Fields, is talented, then that thing could explode. Uh, but they are the Bears, and they usually screw things up. Um, but I just that's the trap I would be careful of. Now, wasn't it – it may have been you, but it was somebody that said they've done a study on what it takes to be a contender. And contenders generally always win 12 or 13 games a season. You, got to, you have to get the team to where it's winning 12 or 13 – games a season to be considered a Super Bowl contender. You can't do that yep. if you're squeaking in as the fourth seed with a nine and seven or whatever the math is record every year. It's not going to work. Yep. Yeah, you could get that's the once yes. in a while, but that's you're not going to be considered the contender. We want to be. Yep. No, we uh, we did an episode on that uh, like two or three months ago because I again, I, I'm I just sense this gravitational pull with fans, with ownership until they finally let go of everybody. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, if we can just get to nine or 10 wins and we can just get in and see what happens. The NFL is not a get in and see what happens league. I'm sorry. The Eagles got in <laughs> and let's see what happens. Yeah, they couldn't score <laughs> like like you. It, it's, it's more than just nine or 10 wins and get in and see what happens. Like you need to dominate the regular season so you can get a buy and play home playoff games. But what about the Ravens in 2012? Okay, yeah, that's an outlier. They went on the road three times and played lights out football, but that's the exception, not the rule. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And and I right. I firmly believe that yeah. you shouldn't make decisions based on what's happening around you. Like you need to make decisions for your team that you feel is best interest of your team and building the greatest roster you possibly can to put you yourself in position like you're talking about Phil just because the Packers are losing their Hall of Fame quarterback does not mean that we should throw our plan away of rebuilding this roster and making a more of a contender long term versus a one year contender and again going back to it too we barely we what we split with the Lions we barely beat the Bears in the first game and we're we, we're losing four uh, defensive starters, a our starting tight end, uh, right guard is garbage still, and we're eleven million or thirteen million under the cap or over the cap. So how are we going to replace those guys? We don't have them on roster currently. I mean, Cam Bynum can fill in for Woods, but what else do we have? Nothing. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't foresee it being something where we could just say okay, run it back because we we could barely beat the Lions or we barely beat the lions and we lost to them. Like it's not, po- I just don't see it as possible. Yeah. Here, here's the other thing too. Cause I, I, you know, again, there's, I, I want to represent people that are looking at this from a different side and they're saying, okay, well, Rob Brzezinski is an amazing cap guy, which he is. And the Vikings always find a way like they did this last off season to, to find 20, $30 million in cap space. Okay. So let's say they restructure three guys and uh, maybe they restructure Kirk and they kick the can down the road or whatever, and they free up $30 million in cap space, okay? Let's say they get to 30. There are 17 teams in the NFL right now that already have $30 million in cap space under the cap before they restructure anyone's contract or you know, you know, you know, reshuffle a bonus here and kick money down the road, right? The Dolphins, the Chargers... And the Jaguars all have over $70 million in cap space. Washington, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Seattle, the Jets, the Broncos all have over $50 million in cap space before they even restructure contracts. So, you know, let's say you free up cap space and you say, all right, now we can get those two free agents that we have our sights set on. You're going to get outbid. You don't have, you don't have enough money. So I hate, I hate to, you know, be dishing out this cold, dose of reality but the vikings put themselves in this cap situation the last few years because they thought they could win a super bowl in the first three or four years with kirk cousins and mike zimmer's defense they missed their window and that's why everyone got fired 
It doesn't mean that you have to rebuild and be the Jaguars and be a two-win team in 2022, but it definitely means that you should have your sights set on future seasons beyond 2022 for for your ultimate peak. And and I want to quick step in here. I want to quick step in here too. You had had mentioned the Jaguars, or again, people like to reference us. We don't want to turn into the Jets. How are we better than the Jets? Because we have more false hope than they do. We haven't done anything the Jets haven't done, you know, right? Like we've done exactly what the Jets have done over the last two years specifically. I mean, they, we've won a couple more games. That just means that we well, put ourselves in Ryan, this. to be fair, the <laughs> Jets have not signed Kirk Cousins or Anthony Barr. We did. so <laughs> Sure, and, and they're probably better off. They're probably better off for it, so I don't know. It's. I, I just look at it as we're we're no better than they are at this point in time. Sure, we won a couple more games, but they're you know we're both sitting at home during the playoffs, watching the playoff teams, watching these teams with these great young quarterbacks lead their teams to great wins. Uh, and and uh, yeah, so I, I I look at that argument. And I say, you know what? I I don't care. Uh, just get me a quarterback. Some of those people that you're talking about, you mentioned the Chargers have a ton of cap space. They got a quarterback. I know they didn't make the playoffs this year, but they got a quarterback. You look at some of these other teams that have actual um, not false hope. They actually have real hope because they have a quarterback that can get them there. Baltimore has Lamar Jackson. They didn't make the playoffs. They were hurt, whatever. They have hope. We don't have hope. We just don't. We don't have money. We don't have a hey, quarterback that I feel can get Ryan. us there. The only hope we have is that we just signed Quasi, <laughs> and I'm super pumped, and I'm going to have another one for it. And there it is. There it is. There it is. That, oh, my gosh. Just The show's almost done. You're going to be lonesome and drunk at, at the end of this show if you keep going at this rate. Um, but, but that's what I'm saying, man. The optimism here is now that we have a fresh start. Now, Quasi could be dealt a, de- uh, a, a bad hand, right? Who knows what he's going to do? Phil alluded to it already. A lot of guys that we have to decide on their future here uh, to kind of alleviate cap space. Some long-tenured guys, right? I would not be surprised to see guys like Kendricks, Thielen, Smith, Kirk. Um, I, I think with the exception of probably Justin Jefferson, you probably want to put everybody on the table, Um to get rid of or or restructure or trade or whatever you need to do. Um, I think we, we just need to be open to that idea as Viking fans, given the situation that he's walking into. So, But I, there is hope, and I, I want to say that there is hope. There's trade rumors for Kirk Cousins. There's a new GM signing. There's a potential new G, uh, head coach next week. So uh, optimism. And, and, uh, and on the uh, – uh, CTP in the huddle. Eric thinks uh, PFF. Eric, he thinks that we can get um, a first for Kirk. Like he, he thinks we can get more than what uh, what uh, the the Colts uh, paid for uh, Wentz. So I, again, I don't know. He's got people who he knows, people who knows the people. So who knows what he's hearing out there in the market? But I really hope he's right because if we can get sniff anything around a first round pick, I'm all in. Phil, I think you need to get Eric on your show and and, and just keep getting this information out of him. I love Eric. Eric Eric and I have been friends for like nine years when he was a math teacher in Wisconsin, and now he's a vice president at Pro Football Focus. And so, yeah, you should definitely <laughs> – you know, people label him as a you're just a Kirk hater. It's like, no, he's he is a, a he's a, a very plugged in and analytical voice in the football community and – I think he's uh, he's right way more often than he's not. He was on the Vikings record before this season. Before we end this show tonight, um, I got into a a heated conversation uh, within our I'm in the pocket chat on Sunday evening, and I just want to get Phil's take on it. Um, it revolves overtime in the NFL, and, and we'll 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 stop after this. We'll we'll call it a show, but Phil. I was pissed, and I'm a Stephon Diggs fan, so that's probably partially the reason that I was pissed. But I'm also pissed because we were robbed of really good football on Sunday night. And I'm not saying the game was bad. It was fantastic. But we did not get to see Josh Allen try and lead his team to a victory. I mean, 
we did to a certain extent, but when it came down to it, it was pretty much up to a coin in the middle of a field in Kansas City, which I just don't want to leave a football game up to. I want to see two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL battle it out. I don't care if the score is 70 to 70 or 71 to 70, I guess it would technically be the ending score, but I don't care what the score is or how high it gets. I want to see these guys, these legends go back and forth because that's what makes football fun. But I want to get your take. What do you think of the NFL overtime format? Would you make any changes to it? Um, Do you think it was fine the way it ended? Do you think the Bills should have just stopped them? I'll leave you to it here. But uh, know that I'm fuming on my side of the camera still. Yeah. I mean, on one hand, if you're the Bills, you have a lead with 13 seconds to go. And then, you know, even if they score, you're going to go to overtime. Like, how about just stop them once? So I, on, on one hand, you know, I don't know that the Bills, like, deserved another chance. The Bills had their chance. But I'm generally with you. I think we can simplify this by saying both teams should just get one possession in overtime. And if the game is still tied from there, then it's sudden death. Oh, that seems pretty logical to me. I stayed out of that conversation. I stayed out of that conversation on the chat because I'm relatively indifferent. Um, I, 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 if the, here's the thing I have an issue with Matt is if that coin flip is uh, what they call tails. So if it's tails and Josh Allen goes, leads a touchdown, I don't think you're as upset. So, the thing is, is that you got it, <laughs> that may be true. Sport. It's a team sport. You got to stop them. You had two opportunities to stop them. They didn't just have the one opportunity. They had two opportunities to stop them, and they weren't able to. And uh, yeah, I think I think I don't love the overtime rules, but I honestly don't have an answer for what's a better overtime rule because I don't think the college answer is uh, the right answer either. And I'm. I don't hate the idea of just having another 10 or 15 minute overtime period and whoever's winning after that wins, but I just don't know what the answer is. So I can't say I'm going to be against the overtime rule until there's a legitimate better option in front of us. Um, I'm just going to go back to what Luke on locked on Vikings said, a uh, friend of the show. If locked on vodka would actually be a great podcast, (laughs) (laughs) it might not be a very uh, successful one, but it would, (laughs) I'd watch it. Um, Locked on Vikings, Luke Braun. He said this essentially, if your offense is bad, your defense gets to bail you out in overtime. If your defense is bad, your offense does not get to bail you out. So I think the agreement here is that, what Phil said, both teams get one possession. Good luck, because if you don't do it there, then it is sudden death. And I think I'd be more okay with that um, than what I saw last week. So um, it is a little bit past 9 o'clock. I want to offer it up one more time, see if you guys have anything else you want to talk about. We covered a lot tonight. It was a long show. Um, Phil, Ryan, anything that that you want to talk about that you didn't get to? Uh, I would say uh, I think that's the first time we've heard from Ziggy Wilf in a statement in uh, like basically since the Vikings got a <laughs> got a Super Bowl award to them. So I'm I'm happy to see that that Ziggy Wilf has come out publicly. He's so yes. excited about the Vikings' new general manager, Quasi Adolfo Mensa, that he has broken his silence. I must tell you something. Let's go, Ryan. How about you? Like I said, I'm just super excited about the hire. I think this is a new generation of Vikings football that we're going to see that I think is going to reap hopefully some rewards that we are hopefully due over our however long we've been around since the 70s. So I think we're ready for it. The fan base needs this, and I think uh, this is the guy to help us get us there. I'm with you there. Dave, I'll let you have some final thoughts here, and then I'll, I'll take us home. First off, I want to thank Phil for coming on the show. We appreciate you. We appreciate everything Score North does. And, of course, you, Judd, and Declan, and anybody else behind the scenes I don't know yet. Along with, we have a show tomorrow night, everybody. 
Flip Mozzie, the great Flip Mozzie, who is here tonight watching with us, has got me questions. Eric Thompson of Daily Norseman will join him answering those questions. And we have Vikings hot takes. Viking without the S. But we'll be talking about Vikings with the S. Right, Flip? And what do we always say, everybody? Hold on. You robbed me last weekend. I'm robbing you this weekend. <laughs> or this week. Um, <laughs> sorry, Dave. Um, again, I, I just want to say to everybody in the chat tonight, thank you for being here. Thank you for watching. Thank you for commenting. Um, we're excited for the future of this Minnesota Vikings franchise. Phil, a huge thank you for you coming on again. Um, I, I'm very appreciative of, of you guys at Score North and you guys always willing to come on. Uh, the local media here in Minnesota is tremendous. And, um, you know, we really appreciate uh, you coming on this evening. Uh, yeah, no, thank for you guys. everybody it. else, for everybody else, uh, next week, we will be back here on Vikings Happy Hour live at 8 p.m. Central. And we have another special guest. His name is Chad Graff, and he writes for The Athletic. You may have read, of, read his articles. If you haven't, you should go subscribe to The Athletic, read those articles. They're fantastic. He'll be on next Wednesday evening at 8 o'clock. Um, and like I said earlier in the show, if you're not subscribed to Climbing the Pocket on YouTube, make sure you're doing that. You can find me on Twitter, Matt Anderson underscore 8. You can find Phil Mackey on Twitter, at Phil Mackey, or at Score North. You can find Ryan on Twitter, at Sports, Score, Sports Guy Rye. Um, and Dave, you're going to have to pronounce your own, but then you can send us home. At Luf Kruger, which means air <laughs> warrior in Norse. With that, <laughs> skull everybody! Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Skull, everybody. Oh, no, no, no.